0: good morning good to see each of you my name is steve haefler i see a lot of guests out here so we welcome you Uh, i was the pastor here for 12 years and then we went overseas to western asia and the lord and i believe in his goodness and providence has allowed us to come back and i'm also now the lead pastor candidate and so that vote will happen during our members meeting this morning I uh, apologize for a weaker voice. My allergies came down heavy on me this morning, probably because sleep fled from me like a disobedient toddler last night. felt like I was preaching my first speech in, in my freshman year again. How many of you ever had that delightful experience? Right? And then you're in a class, and I went to public school my whole life, and I was in class with everybody else who had been giving speeches since they were two years old, and I'm nervous, I'm already scared of speaking, and so that's kind of what it felt like last night through the evening. Um, We wake up to the reminders that uh, God's grace is new every morning. His faithfulness is great. Um, I'm going to ask you to open your scriptures to John 21. Last week we talked about the final episode in John the Baptizer's life. He's in prison. The very man he proclaimed and preached as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he's now doubting. He sends some of his disciples to Jesus. Are you the one? Or shall we look for another? And we talked about not judging a person by a single episode or season in their life. And here we confront Thomas. And Thomas asks for hard evidence. Unless... I get this, I will not believe. That's a very strong statement. Unless I have this concrete proof, I will not believe in Jesus. And it says eight days go by. And then finally he gets the appearance. Two weeks ago we considered Jesus the incarnate, in the flesh, Word when the eternal Son took on humanity. Why did he do that? Well, He tabernacled among us. He tented among us so that we could see God. He made His living among us. And you know what the the disciples concluded? He is full of grace and truth. And we need that message this morning again, don't we? That God did not take on human flesh as a strict judge, though He will be. Nor did He take on flesh to become merely an executioner. But He took on humanity as a teacher and He showed love and compassion and He is full of a gracious disposition with us. Truth, yes, but also grace. Undeserved favor to us. Then last Sunday we considered Jesus as the Lamb of God. That's what John the baptizer said when he saw Jesus and in His humility he said, I'm not even worthy to untie His sandals. This is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We talked about the Passover. At the center of that feast was a lamb. And they would have to apply the blood, but they'd also have to eat the lamb. There's something very personal about that. And God says that when I see the blood, I will pass over you. I will not allow my death angel to enter into your home And take your firstborn. And so when John says Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away sin, it means when the blood is applied to the doorposts of your heart, the second death will pass over you. Do you know Christians need this message of grace too? That if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us. That washing, that cleansing—such a beautiful picture. And this morning, with our time, I want us to consider Jesus, the Son of God. And if some of you have the habit of looking back at our clock, you might be afraid that a preacher is about to preach and the clock's broken. Okay, it's not seven minutes till six, and I, I do have a timepiece up here. I want to consider Jesus the Son of God. Uh, as a senior in high school, I had to write a term paper. The problem is I hadn't listened in my English class at all, and I didn't know how to write a term paper. All I knew is that she wanted 20 index cards with quotes and support that were going to sort of argue for my thesis statement. It was another thing. I didn't know what the thesis statement was, so my teacher helped me pick out a great topic. Right? I'm going to argue for the existence of UFOs. I guess they're called... U. U I know, pretty weak. But, but that's actually a very popular topic right now. Apparently they're called UPAs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. And I pulled off the almost staggering unimaginable. I got three zeros. Not apps. Apps are higher than zeros. And I got three zeros, and she knew that I was not going to graduate from Coral Springs High School down in South Florida. So she walked me through the process as a very good and patient teacher. And I started to learn that everything I needed to write and everything, every quote I made was to argue for my thesis. Everything was to support the thesis. Do you know that the same is true of John? I want you to look at John Chapter 20. I think I asked you to go to chapter 21. Go back to chapter 20. By the way, I did graduate and I had many, many more papers to write after that. The Gospel of John is no different. Here, he gives us a clear and distinct thesis. John 20, verse 30-31. to Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but these... These signs he's referring to, these miraculous signs are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. Everything John is going to teach then from chapter 1 to chapter 21 is going to support John's thesis in a single word. It's really easy. Believe. That's it. These are written that you may believe. It's not an exhaustive account. And in the course of 21 chapters, here's what John is going to answer. He's going to answer three questions. What do we need to believe? What does it mean to believe? Because a lot of people are talking about belief in belief and faith in faith. But faith is only as good as its object. If you place faith in faith, it will fail. And why do we need to believe? Again, John's talking about signs. What's the purpose of a sign? Signs relay information. I think I've shared this before. One of my favorite signs in Central Africa is as you're approaching a very dark, mysterious river called the Kifue River. There was a simple sign. It was a brown wood sign, and it had a little white creature on it. It just said, Beware hippos. And at that point, you have enough information to step away from the river because even though they're herbivores, they are considered uh, one of the top, most dangerous animals in Africa. What do we need to believe? Why are these signs, seven, placed in the Gospel of John? We've talked about this before in an overview of the Gospel of John, but first of all, what do we need to believe? Look at verse 31. That you may believe that... Jesus, so it centers on a person, is the Christ, that's not his last name, that's not his surname, it's a title, the Son of God. So two things that you need to believe about Jesus in order to experience saving faith. You need to believe he's the Christ, and you need to believe he's the Son of God. It's the whole purpose of John's writing. Christ is the New Testament Greek word for the Old Testament Messiah. You get the first promise in Genesis 3.15 where it says that God is going to take the initiative and send a rescuer, deliverer, a promised anointed one, a Messiah. And all the promises in your Old Testament are all connected to that theme. And they're all pointing to someone who hasn't been born yet. All of a sudden you have four accounts when you open up the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who introduce you to this person who is the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the long awaited deliverer. Matter of fact, if you go back to John chapter 1 and look at verse 41, John records an encounter between two brothers. Andrew sees Jesus, runs to tell his Brother Simon Peter, look at verse 41 of John chapter 1. We have found the Messiah, which is translated, the Christ. Do you know what this Messiah will do? He will enter history at a certain point and Genesis 3.15 says, by the way, God is saying this to the serpent, He will crush your head and you will strike His heel. In striking the heel of the Messiah, Jesus will turn around and deliver a death blow to Satan's head. What must you believe? That Jesus is the one who will fulfill all the promises God made to His people. And all those promises center on a person. Question number two, what does it mean to believe? Okay, He's the Christ, He's the Messiah, He's the long-awaited deliverer. He's the only one that can deliver, and He is the Son of God, which means we could not produce our own Redeemer, our own Savior, not by ourselves. God took the initiative. What does it mean to believe? The Greek word here means to trust or to place faith into something. And so right away, one of the first things that we need to know is it's not just giving assent to certain intellectual facts about Jesus. It's not just saying, oh yes, he was a historical person. Oh yes, he was a kind man. It involves the intellect, but it also includes the mind, the will, and the emotions. I recall approaching the first suspended bridge along the Manaslu circuit in the Himalayas. And as we're coming down... I can see this suspension bridge, and and it first strikes me how narrow it is. We had already passed a couple mule trains, and sometimes those mule trains push trekkers off the side of the path, and they die. I'm looking at how narrow this suspended bridge is. And, And as you're descending towards it to cross this cavern, you also notice how high it is. And then you start to assess, will this hold me? Now, here's the difference between intellectual assent and faith as the Greek word says it. You start placing your weight on the bridge. You start crossing over the bridge. You don't reach the other side just simply by saying, I think it will hold me. You're actually starting to move. You're actually placing your confidence in something that it will not fail you. Jesus will never fail you. Bridges have failed. We fail other people. Jesus will never fail you. And that's what it means that by believing, by placing confidence in the Christ, the Son of God, what is the result? Why do we need to believe? So that you may have what in His name? Life. This is a theme in John's account. Let me just read these to you for sake of time. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. John 1.4 For God loved the world in this way He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. Truly I tell you, anyone who hears My Word, Jesus said, and believes Him who sent Me has eternal life and will not come under judgment but has passed from death to life. John 5.24 During the seventh sign that the Gospel of John records, He says this, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in Me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in Me will never die. Why is that? John 14.6 I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes unto the Father except through Him. And that life that we need is spiritual. Now go back to John chapter 20 and look at verse 31 again. But these are written. These what? You should, we should know this, right, by now. These signs, these miraculous signs are written that you may believe, that you may place full confidence in a person. and You may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, all the promises of God are fulfilled in Him, and that by believing this, you may have life in His name. John witnessed nearly three years of stories, sermons, and conversations. He didn't include them all. He included seven. Here's the first one. He changes water into wine. John chapter 2. It says this, go back to John chapter 2. I just want you to see this wording in verse 11. Because this is something John calls the first of his signs. He attends a wedding. He takes six stone water jars, each able to hold about 21 to 31 gallons. There's a picture of ritual cleansing here, of washing. But the main point of the miracle is transformation and a transformation of such a quality that even the master of the feast goes wow. And John says this in verse 2 verse chapter 2 verse 11 this was the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed. I want you to notice the next word in him. What does this sign point to? It's not really about liquid Because in John chapter 3, He talks to a religious, Jewish, intellectual, educated male. His checklist, everybody's going to be like, yup, this guy's making it to heaven. And his name is Nicodemus. And what Jesus is teaching in John chapter 2 is that He can change. He can transform hearts. Even religious, Jewish, male hearts have to be changed matter of fact the change has to be so incredible jesus is going to say two times unless you are born again you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven by water by cleansing jesus offers a transformation not unlike water to wine but something so much better Well, the second sign, when we get to chapter 4, Jesus is speaking, interestingly, if if you put these right next to each other, He's no longer speaking to a Jewish male Pharisee. He's speaking with a name, by the way. He's speaking with a woman at the well, and we're never given her name. And she has a history of sinning. And she knows it, and the community knows it. The question is this. Is this new life, this transformation, only for Jewish men with respectable status or is this transformation for anyone? And John chapter 4 tells you what? This transformation in Jesus, this grace, this goodness, this truth is for everyone. She was clearly seeking something and she was clearly still empty. And here she gets to engage in dialogue with the Son of God who took on flesh. And you know what she found out? That Jesus is full of grace and truth. That's not the sign, though. That's just a confrontation. The sign comes later in John 4, if you're tracking along with the verse 50. A nobleman comes. His son is sick. He's not with his son, so he asked Jesus to heal him. And it says, the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. What did Jesus say? Your son will live. And he believed Jesus. He stepped onto the suspension bridge and crossed to the other side. Here's the sign. He finds out later his son is healed at the exact same hour that Jesus said, Your son will live. He will have life. Do you believe that? Do you believe just simply by Jesus saying it, you can have life? Matter of fact, he was healed and Jesus didn't even go visit the son. Which means Jesus can heal even when he seems far away. Just by asking for it. Because Jesus told the woman at the well, if you knew who you were talking to, right, it's all about a person, you would ask him for living water and he would give it to you. Well, the son proves that we get it simply for asking. The third sign is in John chapter 5 and it's the Sabbath healing at the pool of Bethesda and a poor man could not get in there. People rushed in the, to, to the superstitious waters and get healed before him. So Jesus simply looks at him and says, get up, take up your bed and go home. He doesn't tell him to get into the pool. He simply heals him. And he heals him as the son of God. He simply says, get up and go home. And he gets up and he goes home. And it says this, and and you're going to start seeing a theme here. And at once, because he believed, the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. This is when Jesus says in 525, A time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. We are dead in our trespasses and sins. The wages of sin is death. You know what the good news is? We are in a time right now where the dead will hear his voice and they will find life. Do you want to be healed? Jesus gives you an invitation. The fourth sign, there are really two signs the feeding of the 5,000 and the bread of life discourse. These two signs answer a new question, and that is how is this transformation, this new life, this living water, this miraculous healing to be given? Jesus said this. It will be the hardest thing we read all morning. John 6, 54. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Do you stumble at that? Did you just like walk up to the suspension bridge and back off? Remember, this is the sermon where everybody stopped following Jesus except his own disciples, except the twelve. And he, and he says, will you also go away from following me? This is a hard saying, Lord. Well, then are you, also going to, are you also going to stop following me? And Peter says what? To whom shall we go? For you have the words of eternal life. There's that theme again, of life. Well, this is, you're going to understand the bread of life discourse First of all, by John saying, Behold the Lamb of God, the Passover Lamb, that they had to consume and personalize. Jesus is not teaching a type of spiritual cannibalism here. He is saying you need to personally appropriate Him. Because the Lamb does take away sin, but then you're also going to see with the feeding of the 5,000 that God miraculously provides in a way only He can, and there's plenty left over, So if you think you're sitting on the sidelines and you think you're like the woman at the well and you think there's just not enough grace for a person like me, go ahead and take up the baskets and see how much is left over. Eating and drinking press home the truth that the sacrifice of Jesus must be personalized and internalized. It's not mere knowledge, but you actually have to walk across that bridge. The fifth sign is the walking on water. It displays God's protection of His children in the middle of horrific circumstances. And it also displays Jesus fulfilling the role of God of feeding and protecting and guiding and rescuing. So that when Jesus does give His body as a sacrifice for sin, we know it was not an accident. Because if a man can walk on water, certainly he can prevent his own death. So we're building up towards this so that you see it's exactly what Jesus says. I lay my life down for the sheep. No one takes it from me. And He does that so that He can offer you life. The sixth sign, He says He's the light of the world. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And then He heals a man born blind, just like you were, spiritually. Just like you were born blind and you needed the light of the world to give you life. And the final sign, to me, the one that just echoes throughout the rest of the Gospel, in John chapter 11, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life And that whoever believes in Him, though he die, yet shall he live. And of course, most of you in here know the story of Lazarus coming out of the grave after four days. And again, it's going to drive home the point that if this man who said he is the Son of God and can forgive sin and raise the dead supports his radical claims, and if he can bring a man back from the dead after four days, when he dies, He willingly laid down His own life so that He could give you life. In John 10, 18, Jesus says, No one takes it from Me, but I lay it down of My own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up. So how do we respond to this? Jesus says this, While you have the light, believe in, in the light, that you may become sons of light. But what does it mean to believe? Go back to John 1. This will be the last passage we look at. John chapter 1, verse 12. Jesus says this, Yet to all who received Him... So, receiving and believing are intermixed ideas... Yet to all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent or of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. So receiving is an intermixed idea with believing. We receive and believe His words. We actually agree with what Jesus said about Himself. That He's the eternal Son. That He's the Word incarnate. That He can forgive sin. That He's the Messiah. Matter of fact, He says this in John 5.38, You do not have His Word abiding in you, for you do not believe. Receiving and believing is agreeing with Jesus about His claims. For you do not believe the One whom He has sent. He says, you search the Scriptures. You know what the Jewish leaders Search the scriptures and miss the Messiah. And he says, thinking that in them, the scriptures, you have eternal life, but they are they which speak about me. And then listen to what he has to say to them in John chapter 5, verse 40. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Believing does not simply mean believing Jesus. Believing He's saying true things or good things. It is rather... The, the phrase we see over and over again is believing in Jesus. John 11:25. 25. He who believes in Me will live even though He dies and whoever lives and believes in Me will never die. Last verse. You know this one. John 3, 17-18. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. i want to invite our music team forward. While they come forward, I want you to hear the words again, hopefully in a, in a, in a fresh way of what Jesus told the woman at the well, because that might be the character some of us identify with most in the entire Gospel. Maybe Nicodemus a little bit, but I think her, this unnamed person who needed the water of life, and he's full of grace and truth, and he interacts with her, and he talks to her, and he asks her difficult questions, not to wound her, but to help her. And he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. By the way, she gets that water at the end of John 4 and she goes back and tells her whole village about it. And so here to you this morning, Revelation 22:17, we're about to close with a hymn of response called Revelation Song. In the very last chapter of the last book of your Bible, I want you to hear this invitation. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Don't leave this morning without believing in Jesus These things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name, eternal life. Let's pray.